Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another amazing, incredible, informative episode of The Partial Historians. I am one of your amazing hosts, Dr. Peter Greenfield. And I am Dr. Radness, slightly sweating at the build-up that you just gave this episode. (laughs) Is it exciting? Oh, it's going to be exciting. (laughs) Because once again, we are dealing with a semi-mythical king of Rome. (laughs) I kind of love this. Yes. Well, I suppose we haven't really been giving you many dates, which isn't very helpful. So perhaps we should start off with some oh, dates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I apologise. I really, I'm usually up on that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm not. But yeah. <laughs> in, in our last episode, we looked at Tullus Hostilius. Yes. And he reigned, we think, according to the tradition. A- according according yeah. to the chronology that the Romans have imposed upon themselves. Yeah. We think about 32 years, which would make his reign from about 672 to about 640 BC. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So basically, so we've had Romulus, who ruled from 753 to 716. Then we had Numa, who was 715 to 672. Tullus, and now we're up to Ancus Marcius. Oh my god, I'm such an idiot. Not the third king of Rome, the fourth king of Rome. I can't even count. Oh my god, what's wrong with This you? is why you do history. Yeah. Not <laughs> mathematics. That's fine. You know, it totally passed me by. Yeah. Uh, but date wise, yeah. Uh, so Ancus comes in in 640 yes. and rules down to approximately 616. Yeah, so he he has actually kind of a shorter rule when you think about it. Relatively, yeah. relatively. Yeah, but still quite a long time, given the time that they're living in when uh-huh. people can drop dead very quickly. <laughs> and wait, consider the smoothness of his entrance. Oh, I know. Be still. <laughs> Be still my beating heart. <laughs> um, because... I would just like to insert a quote here, if I may, as yep. I tend to do at random times. <laughs> random quote coming. I await your insertion. Yeah, because I suppose Ancus's, um rule is one of the briefest uh, account-wise. You know, like, there's not a whole lot of material that we have here. No, as, as will become clear as we start to yeah, go through exactly. it. exactly. So I would like to say at the outside, quoting Gary Forsyth, that the ancient literary tradition concerning the early kings can perhaps best be likened to a contemporary Hollywood blockbuster concerning some major historical episode. Though the movie is beautifully produced and tells the story in a powerful and memorable fashion, the viewer is left wondering what parts of the film are historically accurate (laughs) and what parts are distortions or outright fabrications introduced into the plot to make the movie more appealing. (laughs) I think this is a highly appropriate quote for where we're at right now. (laughs) Um, For once I got it right. (laughs) You always get it right, Dr. Radness. Um, There are various things that are considered to be insertions into the rule of Ancus Marcius, which, even amongst our ancient source material, are disputed and attributed to other mythical kings. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I'm going to include some of that material here, because, frankly, we don't have a lot well, no, on Ancus Marcus. Yeah, so but. I'm happy enough to take um, certain historical uh, assertions over others for the sake of the space. So, But whether <laughs> uh, some of these things, and I'm talking here particularly about um, the rituals of uh, the Fetiales. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes, yes. I'll come up to those later. Yeah. Um, uh, there is discrepancy about who they could be connected with. Sure. Uh, even amongst the ancient sources who deal with this. Yeah. And nobody seems to be quite sure. And since we're dealing with this sort of semi-mythical period anyway, yeah. uh, we're really dealing... What the hell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just throw all the cornflakes to the wind and see how they fall. Exactly. Um, so we dealt last time with uh, Tullus. 
mm. who dies apparently of some sort of pestilence related disease perhaps or a lightning bolt or a lightning bolt or, or being murder. murdered yeah. <laughs> yeah um either way he's dead <laughs> And once again, we return ah, to the interregnum. <laughs> yes. So the Senate says, you, sir, can be the interrex. Ah, yes. Now, Ancus Marcius, or Marcus, depending on what source you're looking at, mm. apparently is a descendant of Numa, the second king of Rome. Yes. By his mother. Mm. Yes. So this would make him a Sabine of sorts. Exactly. And it would also mean that, not that there's like a hereditary thing, but keeping it in the family, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, it's a slight nod to a yeah. dynastic rule, I suppose. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, well, the Comitia get together and they elect Ancus and everybody seems pleased with that. And we should probably point out, I suppose, what the Comitia actually is. Oh, what it's it. evolving at yes. this point in time. It's basically, it seems to be this, this um, process where basically the people mm. vote first, it would seem, and then mm. the fathers, kind of like, I guess, the, the upper classes... As you will, the, the Senate. Senate. Yeah, um, they then sort of say yes. Rubber you stamp your it. choice. Exactly. <laughs> that seems to be the system yeah. that we have going. At the Everybody moment. gets together. Um, the organisation of the committee at this point in time is up for grabs. Yeah. Um, Who knows? We don't really know a lot about it. As <laughs> is the composition of the Senate to yeah. a large degree. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that the Senate sort of comes later on after the people have made a decision and yeah. they're either like, yes, we agree, that was a good choice, or they're like, I'm not sure I agree with that. Mm, I'm, just... I'm feeling suspicious. Yeah. Um, and their view tends to count or not count depending on what's going on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. So he gets elected and he is quite family minded. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's very family minded when it comes to Numa in particular. Yeah, he feels really strongly that uh, religious observances have been neglected. Yeah, particularly under Tullus. Yeah. Yes, and couldn't he... really say that about Numa. So I don't no. know why I'm saying particularly under Tullus. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of wants to hark back um, a bit of a nod to Numa at this point in time and Absolutely. focus on ritual. Um, Get rid of the neglect, get rid of the misconduct. Yeah. One of the things he does, which is really important in terms of religious observance in Rome, uh, seems to be this idea of making all of the state sacrifices and the attendant rituals associated with them yeah. uh, available to the public. Mm. So he talks to the pontifex and he's like, Dude, is power. Yeah, mm. you need to write this stuff down on some really cool tablets and stick it in yes. a public White area. Tablets. White <laughs> only the white ones yeah yes. so there is this moment of sort of public uh knowledge if you like of what is ritual yeah uh, what is required when it's required yep and so this is a, a transition if you like out of sort of the esoteric secretness of roman religion yep and Making it much more transparent. So the idea that neglect and misconduct will be lowered as a result yeah, of this. Yeah, because everyone apparently was keeping their eye on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And apparently um, the citizens who had become somewhat sick of perhaps the war under Tullus, as well as people around Rome who mm. might have been getting sick of being poked with <laughs> a long wooden stick. Stop, guys. They're all very pleased by this turn of events because they think he's going to be like Numa and very diplomatic and very peaceful. Yeah, they're, yeah well, yeah, no, this seems to yield uh, a sense in the areas around Rome that 
perhaps he's not going to be a warlike leader. Sure. Um, and this gets some people excited about the possibility that now's the time to attack. Ugh. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Will they never learn? <laughs> this is going to be great. This is our opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the Latins apparently say, hey, let's maybe break this treaty we have with the previous king and start raiding. <laughs> I've got an idea. How about some raids into Roman land? Yeah, and Ancus tries to be quite diplomatic and... You know, sort of say, what's going on there? Mm. I, I don't approve of this. And they feel very bold and apparently are quite arrogant <laughs> when they send back their replies. I'm guessing they say things like, what are you going to do about it, old man? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. But Ancus. Ooh, that Ancus. <laughs> Ancus is pretty keen to have some established religious observances in place around the process of war. Yeah. Um, so he sees... And he's also not... And this is the thing. He's also not anti-war as much as they might think. No. No. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. As no. they're about to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's in this position where he's like, oh, well, people are attacking us. Um, we should cool. We should probably have something to... Like, when we've been attacked... Like to take revenge, Ooh, and revenge. we should probably get that sanctioned by the gods. That's that, wise. That, that would wise. be good, yeah. wouldn't it? Yes. yes, absolutely. I like it. And so this, he has this sort of moment where he delves into the rituals of the priesthood of the Fetiales. Oh, you just go right ahead because I <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, enlighten me. Um, the Fetiales have are. Uh, Either, mm. according to Livy, and and Livy himself seems to contradict himself on this point as well. Sure, are either created by Ancus okay. as as a priesthood to deal with these specific sort of issues. Yeah, or they were created by Numa. Okay, yeah, I can uh, see how you could get confused there. Yeah, because they have that connection between. Yeah, them. the Fetiales yeah. are a priesthood that are connected um, by uh, Dionysius of Halicarnassus and Plutarch to Numa. Right, and Livy himself. Um, early on in book one, section 24, if you're interested, <laughs> um, sort of uh, addresses um, the Fetiales as if they're associated with Taurus. Yep. Um, and yet here we are um, <laughs> in Livy. Uh, and he's once again attributing them to someone else. <laughs> yes, yes. So make make of this what you will. Um, the, the Hollywood blockbuster element of yeah, our ancient yeah, kings definitely comes into play. Does it come here? Does it come there? Who cares? Well, Let's just put it in for interest sake. The ritual itself is really interesting. And regardless of who comes up with it, it's fascinating. Because sure. it's complicated and dangerous for the people involved. I like it. I like the sound <laughs> of it. <laughs> First of all, uh, once you get into a situation where somebody's attacked you and you're like, I probably need some revenge. Fair enough. Uh, what you do is you send one of these guys out, one mm-hmm. of these fetiales. Um, the envoy goes and... First of all, he goes to the frontier, mm. the borderlands yes. between Roman territory and the territory of the enemy. Yeah, yeah. And... Recites a whole bunch of things with Jupiter as his witness, going, these are the things that have gone wrong. These are the things that need to be redressed. Yep. Um, I'm putting it out there. Jupiter as my witness. Yep. Uh, And then he starts to walk into the enemy territory. Yes. Yes. Actually, I do know what you're talking about. Yes. And then the first man that he meets in enemy territory, he's like... These are the things that we need to address. These are the... I need you vengeance. You keep leaving the toilet seat up, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Jupiter as my witness. Yeah, exactly. We're offended. <laughs> so he does the same uh, ceremonial calling out to the gods yep. and demand for retribution sure. to the first person he meets. Yep. Then he enters the city gates, Ooh. stops there, Ooh, stops at the city gates. Now and he's like, dangerous. Yep. how about some of this? 
this stuff has gone down. Yeah. Jupiter's not very happy, guys. Um, you keep leaving off milk in the fridge, <laughs> and it really ticks me off. I need vengeance. Yeah. He walks into the city. He goes to the forum. Yep. <laughs> Heads to the marketplace. Goes where all the people are at. Yeah. And he does the same thing again. Jupiter as my witness. We need some retribution. I don't know. I don't know why you'd let this guy live. Yeah. Like, why would you just let him wander into your territory? What would happen if he got killed by I someone? I don't know. It would be crazy. Yeah. But anyhow, he gets in. He stays in the city. Then right. he goes and meets. He'd be so welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> goes and meets with the officials. Yeah. And he's like, "All right, so guys, this is the deal. Jupiter as my witness. Yeah. And." <laughs> You've been overcharging us, and we're not happy about it. <laughs> Jupiter as my witness. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll give you guys 10 days to think about this, because, like, warfare, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on the horizon. It's on, yeah. I'm just warning you yeah. that this has gone down, and you guys need to be prepared. Do you want to, like, negotiate or anything? After 10 days, he goes back and meets with them, and he's like, have you come up with an answer yet? And they're like, uh. uh. And he's like, Jupiter as my witness. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you another 10 days. That's yeah. the sort of guy I am. Goes away, gives them another 10 days. I don't know what he does in these 10 days while no. he's hanging out in the he city. Sees he sees the sights, naturally. Yeah, well, he's now been in the city for 20 days. Yeah. And he's like, wow, I'm hanging out here a lot. And he's like, I hope these guys don't kill me. He's probably wandering around going, this is the best meal I've ever had. Ah. Jupiter's my witness. <laughs> he goes seriously, give me the recipe. Time. Yeah. Goes a third time. Yep. He's like, guys, guys, seriously. Yep. Like, Jupiter as my witness. <laughs> These things need to be solved. What's going on? Yeah. And when he doesn't get the answer or when he gets a answer, it doesn't really matter at this point in time. Sure. If he's done the ritual the three times to the people inside yep. the city and has not been satisfied with their response, he shoots back to Rome and is yep. like, guys, we've got issues. Yes. We need to do some war. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they do. <laughs> yeah. He goes and consults with the king and the senate. Yep. And, and then if a war is agreed upon. Sure. Uh, then that then guy, happen, yeah. yeah. Then yeah. then the Feriale sort of wanders back to the frontier <laughs> and ceremoniously throws a spear into the territory. Ah, uh, that's the part I know. <laughs> and it's like, how about some of that? Yeah, and this is going down. Now. Most notably, I think this has been appropriated in the 1963 Cleopatra <laughs> when um, Octavius gets all worked up over Antony shacking up with Cleopatra, mm. and he wanders outside of the Senate House with a spear. And throws it at Cleopatra's visiting dignitary. <laughs> Not quite the same thing, but I think the message is is got across nonetheless. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. back to the point ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently this is according to Livy. Yep. At some point in his narrative, but with with question marks hanging over it. Um, I guess it kind of fits though, because with Ancus we apparently have someone who's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. He's religious, but also not a pushover. Yeah, and, yeah. and narrative-wise, Livia certainly set up his narrative so that it's a moment where the Romans are looking for revenge, where they've actually been the victim for a change. Yes. That hasn't happened for a little while. No. <laughs> um, I know there's been a lot of battles, but Rome seems to be mostly Very, the instigator. Yeah. So the, it suits nicely in Ancus's narrative it to does. have this ritual yes. in place. It flows, it flows. It flows, it yeah. flows. yeah. So they start fighting the Latins to get back to Ancus's. Yeah, so the actual... whole reason why they've yeah. done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, they have this successful uh, campaign against the Latins. Mm-hmm. And once again, they find themselves capturing a town mm-hmm. and getting some spoils as a result. As you do. Tick, tick. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. yeah and they, they adopt the same principle that they used with the Alban conquest. Yes. So they take the population in hand. Yep. 
take them, them to run, yep. make them citizens. Yep. They settle them on the Aventine. Ooh, another hill. <laughs> Opening up another one of those Aventine, hills. Aventine, Aventine. Anyway. Um, and yeah, they have more territory once again. Thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. So once again, we have this great uh, growth of, in the populace. Yeah, yeah, because they take uh, sort of uh, about three Latin cities in this way, which yeah. are sort of brushed over quite quickly Sorry, in the narrative. No. I'm getting um, a bit sick of narrating more, quite frankly. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> no. It's pretty important. I jest, I jest, I jest. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah, so they take uh, a city called Politorium, mm-hmm. uh, the people of Telenia and Ficana. Ugh, why do the names have to be so complicated? <laughs> and, and all of these conquered peoples of these Latin territories get yeah. sent to the Aventine to live and be, be Roman citizens. Not, it doesn't really surprise you, therefore, to find out that with all these people flushing into Rome, um, that there is apparently a problem with lawlessness. <laughs> <laughs> there, there seems to be a sense in which all of these new citizens don't really understand Roman customs and yeah. appropriate law. Um, <laughs> so there's, It's very hard to say who's right and who's wrong. Also, you've just yeah. thrown together a whole bunch of people of different backgrounds and different areas and just gone, how about it, guys? You're all friends and citizens now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It takes a little while for these sorts of things to settle down. Yeah. So they build a prison, apparently, to accommodate these... Bandits, damn. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. a good idea. In the middle of the city. Yeah, yeah. it's at the foot of the Capitoline. Yeah. Um, so just above the Forum. It's called the Carcer. Oh, you can see what's happening with Latin guys. Yeah. Um, and so they set up this prison. That's going to be great. Um, there's a whole bunch of building works that Ancus ends up being associated yes, with. Yeah, it's very important uh, ones too. Yeah, yeah, because he annexes uh, one of the settlements on the other side of the Tiber. Yeah. Uh, Which Janic- is the river that goes through him. Yeah. Yes, the yeah. river that goes through him. Yeah. Um, so he annexes um, one of these mm, areas, the Janiculum. Yes, um, yes. And then builds a bridge. The no. first bridge over the Tiber. Oh. <laughs> well, see, if anyone who's actually been to Rome, the Tiber is well and truly in Rome, like now. <laughs> it is. Yeah, so it's but hard it, to imagine a time when it wasn't. But it wasn't. It yeah. was like the edge of the city. Yeah, exactly. In this early phase. Yeah, so this is cool. This yeah, is cool. so they build what is called the Pons Subilicius, mm. uh, the Pile Bridge. <laughs> Yum. Mm, delightful. <laughs> Made solely of wood. Not perhaps the most practical, but I understand why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and... In order to sort of protect the other side of the city, yep. um, he also starts to build a ditch um, right. called, <laughs> called the Curtis Ditch, ah, the Citizen's Ditch, yeah. um, to, uh, to protect the uh, more level side of the city. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough you just yeah. never know where the enemy is going to come from. You just don't. You don't, yeah. <laughs> I was rather impressed to find out that apparently he also founds Ostia. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, he does. Which I've also been to, and it's also pretty cool. Mm, yeah. mm. So, Ostia has a very long relationship with Rome. Yeah. And it's the port city on the mouth of the Tiber. Yeah. Uh, so you can still go there and check out the ruins. You very can. well worthwhile. There is a lot of archaeological work taking yeah. place at Ostia. I actually think it's almost almost cooler than Pompeii. Wow. Yes. I'm just going to put that out there. But anyway. (laughs) I think, yeah, there's probably, it's probably a lot more, it's a richer site. Yes. I think so. Um, Yeah. I enjoyed my stay there. Mm. Mm. Ostia, known for its ancient shopping. 
<laughs> no serious. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> um, so they extend their influence in various ways. Yeah. Um, they actually take over a whole bunch of stuff towards... Um, uh, it's sort of Etruscan territory, which mm. means that they've got, like, seaward access. Yes. Um, and Ossia also features into that as well, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And... There's also a temple expansion. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, you would know about this, of Ooh. course. Yeah. <laughs> the temple of Jupiter, Jupiter Ferratrius, uh, is expanded during this period, as far as we can tell. Um, well, it's important to back things up in the historical sources with archaeological confirmation that this stuff was actually happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of the issue is that, like, the archaeological... Uh, work for this sort of time period yeah. does suggest that a lot of these buildings do match up sort of chronologically yeah, with what uh, we're being told. With what we're being yeah. told. We don't, to, yeah. But that doesn't mean that we can credit them to this the, person, these yeah. kings that yeah. we have listed exactly. in the narrative. Like we think this person was historical, but eh, it could be more than one. Hmm. Who knows? And and also, it's it's harder, because like, obviously the earlier the time period you're talking about, the deeper you're digging, yes. generally speaking. What? And um, it's it's hard Ooh. when you've got like a city that's still existing on top of that yeah. to boot. So yes, it can be quite tricky with these early periods to use archaeology to confirm mm. historical stuff. Yes, for yeah. sure. Mm. Uh, and perhaps Ostia might be... Uh, a more fruitful excavation Perhaps. in that sense. Exactly. Um, given no it's... one's still living there. Yes. Not really, anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, so Ancus sort of has this combination, as it turns out, of being relatively religiously focused, yep. uh, warlike when he needs to be, and also a builder. Yeah, it's, um, so it's he's, very balanced. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. perhaps this is why his narrative is so short in the sources, because yeah. he's just doing everything <laughs> it's not right. Very scandalous. No. Yeah, no. Except. I suppose we have to flag at this point in time, because mm. it's during his reign, obviously, that we have the ascension of the Darkwin family. Oh, yeah. will become rather important yes. later on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And this is sort of a narrative sort of um, tangent that Livy takes as well to mm. introduce us uh, to... Uh, the next big family. Yeah, the, the Tarquinii. Mm. And the reason for doing that in Ancus's reign is because of the intimate relationship that develops yeah. um, between Ancus and Tarquinius. Yeah, because so. basically, uh, as we pointed out in a previous episode, we although we are in a period of monarchy, we're not dealing with a period where you're just having a king succeeded by succeeded by his son and so forth and so on. It's pretty clear that it's kind of actually an election process. It um, is, it is. And basically, um, the Tarquin family are kind of outsiders. I mean, not that, you know, obviously we've had, you know, plenty of kings who aren't Roman. And I'm using <laughs> the flesh rabbits. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm serious. Um, but yeah, basically they move to Rome. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, because they feel like their ambitions might be more satisfied in yeah, this area. Yeah, Let's start at the beginning. Okay. Once upon a time. Yeah. <laughs> there was village a... not that far away. <laughs> there was a young man called Lucumo. Oh, I like that name. Yes. <laughs> He was the son of a gentleman, Demaritus of Corinth. Apparently. Apparently. Yes. And a native woman of the Tarquinii, Mm. which is an Etruscan family. Yeah. Just just to point that out. Yeah. 
Um, and she was quite mm, up there. No, 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 not no. What? No, no, no. Don't go there. What are no, you so talking about? She's going to become his wife. She can't be the mother as well, can she? Oh, sorry. I thought we were up to the marriage. No. no. Sorry, sorry. No, no. Oh, I've, I've no. lost track. I've lost track. He's a, he's a baby. I yeah, only yeah. just started the I'm story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> Continue. Okay, so he was born. He was yeah. born. Yeah. <laughs> Um, his father. It's like David Copperfield. <laughs> I was born. <laughs> I was born. Yes. I'm a special family. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. his father is an outsider mm. uh, and presumably Greek. Unlucky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just makes him more of an outsider at this point in time. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. And a native woman of the Tarquinii. Yeah. Um, so an Etruscan family. Yes. So he's considered a bit of an outsider and he never really gets like, you know, the leg up in society. Of he the, wants to, yeah, yeah. The Etruscans are very traditional, it would seem. And like no actually you're just you're not really one of yeah. us because his father had apparently and I, again using flesh rabbits around all of this stuff <laughs> and jumping all over the place his father had, was apparently sort of driven out of his native greek yes. town is it corinth yeah 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 so driven out so yeah the etruscans are like wow you're like the son of someone who's a stranger to us and also someone who's banished from their yeah. previous town <laughs> like who are that's you? unlucky yeah. <laughs> i don't think you're one of us yeah exactly um and so lucumo grows up with this sense in which he feels like stymied in his ambitions yes and he's like frustrated yeah you yeah. know like what am i gonna do yeah um fortunately he actually ends up being quite rich um, that is fortunate. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when he has a brother mm-hmm. called Aaron's, yes, and Aaron's dies and leaves a couple of son, leaves a son, yeah, um, and then their father, yeah, so Demaratus dies, yeah, and the way it plays out is like it's like a little bit coincidental, but as it turns out, the grandson. Um, so the son of Aaron's, mm. a guy called Jurius, um, isn't born by the time Demaratus dies. Yeah. So Demaratus's will favors the elder son, sure. Lucumo, and makes no provision for the for the other child, yeah. his other son Aaron's, and thus no provision at all for the grandson that he has, but didn't know that he was going to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, goodness knows what happens at family parties when <laughs> when people turn up pregnant and nobody noticed. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> In any case, uh, Lucumo ends up with all of the inheritance yeah. um, of his family. He's accrued a lot of wealth. He has yeah. accrued a lot of wealth. And, and this means that he is able to parlay a certain extent uh, into the upper echelons of Etruscan society. Yes, finally. He so, gets a break. <laughs> yeah. So even though like everybody's kind of suspicious, it's like, oh, but you're rich now? Okay. Okay. okay, that could buy you a okay. certain amount of distinction. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and he marries a, a noble woman, Tanaquil. Yes, this is yeah. where I was getting to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And here she is. Yes, she's described as a noble woman with expensive taste. Yeah, uh, I hear. You. I hear. She's you. used to a certain lifestyle. Yeah, and she wants that lifestyle to continue. Yeah. Now she must have liked the guy, I think, because she must have been aware that things were going to be a little bit hazy. Yeah, when, a little bit difficult. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's married a rich guy, fine, but he doesn't have the prestige yes and she's like okay well that's a problem mm. and Lukumo's like well yeah i still feel stymied as well yeah and they're both quite ambitious so they're like fresh start yeah <laughs> looking around and it seems like tanaquil is really instrumental in making the decision that rome might be the, their best their opportunity yeah yeah so they're like oh all right 
So let's leave, get out of the Tarquinii territory, yeah. go to Rome. It's a land of opportunity. Indeed. Um, it's like America. <laughs> I was going to say, this feels like it's setting people up nicely for this idea of the American dream. Yeah, exactly. Um, but... But wait. And as they're about to set out on the journey, I believe there is the all-important sign. Yes. Well, as they were approaching Rome, yes. um, they get to Janiculum, which has been annexed and now has the bridge over the Tiber leading to the city. Sure. They arrive there, and a prodigy occurs. Uh, like <laughs> prodigy time. Yeah, an eagle steals Lucoma's <laughs> cap, and then... Puts it back on his head. Yeah, swoops down, yep. gracefully steals his hat, it's... and then swoops back to return it. <laughs> oh, whoops, I thought this was a rabbit. I didn't realize it was your hat. Yeah, yeah. Please, allow me to return it for my apologies. If that isn't a good sign, I don't know what it is. Well, yeah. this plays into all of the Roman stereotypes about Etruscans. Yeah. Because Etruscans are down with prodigies. And yeah. so Tanaquil is held up as like somebody who's good at reading prodigies, knows what she's doing. Yeah. And she's like, that is such a favorable sign that things are going to go well in Rome. I kind of even begin to tell you. So yeah. <laughs> and he's like, We oh, totally made the right move. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, this is great. This is an augury that suggests... So much success. And of course the eagle. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Rome is a colon. (laughs) It's great. And so they settle in Rome. Yeah. And they take on a Roman name. Yep. So Lucumo becomes Lucius. Lucius. And Tarquinius Priscus. Mm. Yes. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. And he he sits at work. He's working hard to establish himself, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got wealth. And as it turns out, that's all you need to have. Yeah. To be able to create influence in Rome at this point in time. Yeah, the idea of um, being courteous, inviting people into your home and being quite generous. Yes, know, yes. Setting up relationships. Yeah. Establishing yourself as a bit of a patron. Yes, yeah. yeah. This idea of benefaction comes into play. Yeah. Which is very, it's really very fundamental in mm. society, particularly as time goes on. Yeah, um, so this sets up yeah. uh, Lucius. Yeah. The newly minted His Lucius. name gets out there, man. And it yeah. reaches the ears of a king. Oh, that's <laughs> Ancus. <laughs> yeah, so Ancus and Lucius meet up, and it turns out that they, they, they become great friends. They do. They're buddy-buddy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. This is this is exciting. Um, it's, I think it's everything that uh, Lucius has ever dreamed of. Yeah. Um, he becomes an intimate friend of Ancus. Yeah. He also becomes an advisor on yeah. matters of warfare and peace and yeah. things to do with the state. Maybe even his personal business. Who the hell knows? But yeah. they are getting along. Yeah. And it gets to the point where Ancus actually makes Lucius the guardian of his children. Dun, dun, dun. In his, in his will. Yeah. I should yeah. say. <laughs> Not just like, I'm just going to give you my children. Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of sick of raising them. Yeah. Would you? Would you yeah. mind? You're my buddy. I've got, I'm a king. I've got a couple of boys. Yeah, and they're just too ratty. <laughs> really raucous. Yeah, and so, <laughs> do you think perhaps we should be wrapping it up here on a bit of a cliffhanger? Yeah. Oh, I think we can probably yes, see how we're going with yes. this. But, uh, cliffhanger. <laughs> All of a sudden. Yeah. So, Ancus is the king of Rome. He's just entrusted in his will his two sons mm, to this to friend Lucius of his. Tarquinius this new kid on the block. Yes. The new man. Oh dear. Ooh. What will happen next? I can barely wait to hear. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I do hope you will join me next time, Dr. G. Oh, I... And I, I also <gasps> hope that you have been uh, listening to your history of British kings and queens on the Rex Factor podcast. Mm. Check it out, people. I think you'll highly, highly enjoy it. Good evening, good night, farewell. And good morning. So long. (laughs)